God is a good, good God. And he is worthy of our praise. And he's worthy of our worship. Tonight, I'm continuing our Sunday night. Um, continuing our Sunday night open-ended series called Let's Talk About It. And uh, I believe that God has been giving us some some direction and some things that we can talk about and that we can look at. And I know that God wants to do something special in our lives and special in our hearts. And um, I've got this slide up here, and it's got the wrong text on it, so don't go there. I changed the wording from last week, but I didn't change the scriptures, so that's okay. Uh, but um, tonight we're going to talk about sharing and witnessing. As I begin to think about Pentecost, and I begin to think about the power of Pentecost, I begin to think, what is the next step? When we get the baptism of the Holy Ghost, what's the next step in our life? Well, according to the call of Pentecost, the next step is to witness, is to share the good news, the gospel. And I began to think about that, and this week God just hit me upside the head one day, and he led me to this passage of Scripture that I've never seen as a witnessing passage. But as I read it, I began to understand that this truly is a witnessing passage. So I want you to open your Bibles, if you will, to 1 Corinthians chapter number 13. Amen. Let's try that again. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Open your Bibles. All right, we're awake. We're just checking, just checking. So we're going to begin looking here at the Scripture. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, and we'll get here in just a second, I hope. Here we are. If I could speak all the languages of the earth and of angels and didn't love others, I would be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy, And if I understood all God's secret plans and possessed all the knowledge, and if I had such faith that I could move mountains but didn't love others, I would be nothing. If I gave everything I had to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it, but if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable and keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. Now we, now our knowledge is partial and incomplete. And even the gift of prophecy reveals only part of the whole picture. But when the time of perfection comes, these partial things will become useless. When I was a child, I spoke and thought and reasoned as a child. But when I grew, grew up, I put away childish things. Now we see things imperfectly, like puzzling reflections in a mirror. But then we will see everything in perfect clarity. And that I know, all that I know now is partial and incomplete. But then I will know everything completely, just as God now knows me completely. Three things will last forever. Faith, hope, and love. The greatest of these is love. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we just come to you right now. Lord, I thank you and I praise you for your power. I thank you and I praise you for your, your, your knowledge and your wisdom. And Lord, I pray that you would reach down right now and allow me to speak to your people your word. 
just as you gave it to me. Lord, I thank you for your anointing, and I thank you for the strength that you're giving my body. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Tonight, I want to take a few moments, and I want to talk about witnessing and sharing. Every one of us are called to witness. That's not my job. It's our job. It's not one person's responsibility. It's everybody's responsibility. Jesus said that when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. That means that if we're baptized in the baptism of the Holy Spirit, we're supposed to be witnesses. But I have found in my 30 years of ministry, I found in the 32 years that I've been preaching the gospel. I found that many people say, I can't witness. That's not what I do. That's not how I operate. That's somebody else's gifting. That's somebody else. Blah, 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 blah. We make all these excuses. But the truth of the matter is, God has called us to be witnesses. And as I was thinking about this idea of sharing our faith or witnessing, I began to think about the importance of how to do that. And God led me of all places. He led me to this passage of Scripture in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And as he led me here, he showed me that if you take witnessing and love, they're the same thing. Now, I have to talk about that a little bit before we get into the lesson. Do you understand the reason we witness is because we love? We love God. We love the Father, we love the Son, we love the Holy Spirit. We have his anointing in our life. That love for him calls us to work out his plan, to follow his direction, to do the things that he wants us to do. So we love God. But we witness because we love others. We witness, we tell the good news of Jesus Christ because we love people. If we didn't love people, we would say, guess what? Die and go to hell. That's okay with me. Now, the truth of the matter is, that's what the church has been saying for 20 years. We're too busy having church. We're too busy being filled up. We're too busy doing the things we like to do. We're too busy doing this, that, and the other. We don't have time to go out and share with the lost. They don't matter to us anyway. We know that because when they walk in the building, we snub our nose at them and go, oh, they don't fit the picture of what we want our church to look like. Love comes when we begin to see the world the way Christ sees the world. That compassion, that heart, that desire, as we look at the world the way Christ looks at the world, we would not be satisfied to go through the motions of a religious ceremony without getting our feet dirty, without getting our hands dirty, and getting into the streets and the highways and the byways and compelling them to find the gospel of Jesus Christ. We need to understand that witnessing and sharing comes from a heart of love. Now, when we understand that, we began to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 13, and we can start seeing some things that we had not noticed before. The first thing that I see, it's not talk. Mm, you ever known those people, they talk the good game? Here's what Paul writes. Though I speak with the tongue of men and angels, but have not love, I become a sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. It's not about the words that we have. 
See, some people say they can't witness because they don't have the right words. I tell you, words is not what witnessing is about. It's not about the words that we say. It's not the talk that we have. It doesn't matter if you can talk the talk. What matters, can you walk the walk? It's not about do we have all the right things to say. Paul so eloquently says here, if I do not have love, I've become a sounding brass and a clanging cymbal. I woke a couple people up. There ain't nothing worse than that sound. I bet Diane's been here. You ever been there when you had a kid and you bought him a set of drums? My kids are, are, are you listening to your kids' music when they're growing up? Mm. Well, they called it music. I don't think it was music, but they called it music. Anthony got into music there for a while. I was like, oh, nah, 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 nah. like, are they sick? He says, listen, if I don't walk out here with love, I am an annoying sound. Have you ever noticed that the church sometimes has an annoying sound? Because all we know how to do is talk, but we talk without love. We talk without compassion. We talk without mercy. We talk without grace. And we become a clanging sound symbol. We become an annoying sound because we're trying to depend on the talk. We're trying to depend on the words. The words is not the witness. It's not religion. It's not religion. Look what he says. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could move mountains but have not love, I am nothing. Oh, you can have church. You can know how to pray. You can know how to talk to a mountain. But if you don't love this world, you don't know how to witness. If we don't have the love of God that causes us to share the word of God, then all the religious... Don't want to use that word. All the religious hocus pocus doesn't mean anything. We get caught up in how religious we can be, how pious we are. Oh, I go to church, and I give in the offering, and I do this, and I do that, and I do this, and now I don't need to dirty myself with the people of this world, but the truth of the matter is it doesn't matter if you can move mountains and cast them in the sea. If you don't learn to love those people around you, Love them enough to care whether or not their souls are destined for heaven or hell, then we are nothing. It's not talk, it's not religion, it's not generosity. And though I bestow all my goods and feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me. Nothing. You can give everything you've got, but if you don't love the people around you, enough to give them the key to the kingdom. If you don't see the people around us with the eyes of Christ, it says, I want to share. I want to share with them. Doesn't matter how generous you are. 
Doesn't matter how much you're willing to give. Doesn't matter what all you're willing to do. It doesn't matter how good of a person you are if you don't love them enough to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's meaningless. See, I think before we get into anything else, we begin to look at these first three things and we begin to understand that we have made witnessing about the talk, about the religion, about the generosity. We, when we try to teach witnessing, we teach what are the words to say? What are the prayers to pray? What are the gifts to give? When the truth of the matter is, the love behind the witnessing is not the words, it's not the religion, it's not the generosity, it's the passion. I got news for you. When you truly have a love for God and a love for people, the words will be there, the relationship will be there, the generosity will be there. I can't teach you those things. So Paul goes on here talking about love. He lays out the characteristics of witnessing. Why don't you look at this? Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. It is not puffed up. Does not behave rudely. Does not seek its own. Is not provoked thinks no evil thing, thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. Can I rephrase this just a little bit? Witnessing suffers long. It's kind. Witnessing does not envy. Witnessing does not parade itself. Is not puffed up. Does not behave rudely. Does not seek its own. Is not provoked. Thinks no evil. Does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. Bears all things. Believes all things. Hopes all things. Endures all things. Witnessing never fails. Now, Pastor, what are you trying to talk about here? When you look at these verses right here, you see the characteristics of witnessing. First thing it says is love suffers long. Witnessing suffers long. It's not always a 30-second process. There are times that you will spend witnessing to one person for weeks months, and even years. But you don't give up. You don't stop. You don't quit. You keep on going. You keep on pushing. Why? Because the option to give up, the option to quit, means that you have decided it's okay for that person to go to hell. See, we need to get this understanding in our mind. Witnessing is not about getting somebody into church or making our church bigger. It's about getting people out of the fiery pit of hell. Hell is a real place. It's real. People are good people. People that are nice people. People that you know will spend eternity in a lake of fire. It's not popular preaching anymore. We don't talk about hell anymore. But I got news for you. When we decide to give up on witnessing to somebody, what we're saying is it's okay with us if they die and go to hell. We are giving our stamp of approval. Oh, but pastor, I tried and I tried and I tried. Love suffers long. It holds in there. It holds in there. This is what it says. And is kind. Some of y'all need a lesson in this. Witnessing is kind. It's nice. Why? We're giving life. I am not a fan of belligerent witnessing. 
you're an evil, wicked person. I'm not a big fan of that. I'm, I'm, I'm not one. I'm not going to go stand on the side of the road and, with signs telling people they're going to die and go to hell. But I tell you what I am going to do. I'm going to show them the kindness of Christ. I'm going to show them. The, I mean, all of y'all know me. I'm nice all the time. Why are y'all laughing? But can I, y'all have heard me say this, but can I tell you something? Study the life of Christ. When you understand that the church of the day was the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and Jesus was sometimes outright mean to them, you brood of vipers, you wicked people. That was the church of his day. But yet every time we find that he's in the streets with sinners, with people who do not believe, people do not follow the word of the, of the Lord, he walks with compassion. He sets prisoners free that had broken. The woman that was brought to be stoned was, was, deserved the right to be killed, and he set her free. He had compassion for the lost. But he held the believer to a higher standard. Let me tell you something. Somewhere down the road, we flipped that script. And we want preachers that tickle our ears. We want sugar-coated sermons. I, I know you get a lot of that around here. We want sugar-coated sermons. We want to come eat candy bars in church. And we want it to be easy and nice and simple, but yet we want to walk out in the street and tell the world how wicked they are when truly Christ said, listen, you need to iron, needs to sharpen iron in the house of the Lord. There's a roughness there that needs to bring about sharpness in our heart. But when we get into the streets, we need to walk with kindness and compassion and mercy. Characteristics of witnessing. Love does not envy. You know, you can't witness the people you're jealous of. That's why we don't witness some people. In the Pentecostal church, we don't think we can witness anybody unless they're down and out and going through a hard time. We won't witness to the doctor. We won't witness to the lawyer. We won't witness to the guy in the in the expensive suit driving the expensive car. We we we're afraid of them. We we we're jealous of them. We won't witness to them. But I got news for them. You they can have everything in this life, but if they don't have Christ in their heart, they're headed to the same hell as a drug addict is. And it's time that we quit deciding who we can reach out to and who we can't reach out to. I hear, I see all these things. I hear all these things about, you know, wanting to reach out to the lost and heard the story and seen all the Facebook things about the, the pastor that dressed up as a homeless person and sat outside his church to see how his church would react to a homeless man. And, 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 and some of them reacted well and some of them did not. And, and I have, since the first time I heard that story, which was, dear Lord, back early 2000s when I pastored my first church, second time around in pastoring, pattern inner city church. I, I didn't have to have anybody dress up as a homeless person. Half my church was homeless. And, and, and a bunch of them lived with me. So the only reason they wasn't homeless, they lived with us. But I used to say, I don't want to do that. I want to have somebody come dressed up in a nice suit and driving a nice car and sit outside and see if any of my people even stopped to invite them in the house. Because they would grab a homeless person. They'd grab somebody that looked hungry or tired or looked like they were in trouble. But they, they were too envious. They were too shy. They were too arrogant to invite a rich person. Can I tell you something, church? Witnessing does not envy. Witnessing does not envy those other people. We don't care who it is. I say this all the time here in this church, in this town, a town this size. There is going to be times, and we've seen it, where your ex-wife is going to walk in the church. 
your ex-husband's brother is going to walk in the church. The man who stole everything from your daddy's business is going to walk in the church. Oh, come on. Well, I, I, trust me, we've been there. <laughs> I could, I, I, I've seen it. But are we going to be loving enough not to have envy and say, you need Christ? You need to hear the word of God and witness to them. I, 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 got, I got to get moving here. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. It's not puffed up. Witnessing is not proud. Oh, aren't you lucky I've come by today to tell you about Jesus. And I can tell you about Jesus because me and Jesus, we like that. I mean, I'm like Jesus' top dude. You know, we laugh at that, but you know how often that's the way we witness? We talk in ways that are prideful and puffed up. We tell people that the only reason they, the, the, that if they would accept Christ, everything would be okay, just like it's okay in my life, but we don't tell them where we struggle. We don't let them in on the truth that life is life and sometimes life hurts. Life with Christ is like a rose garden. It's beautiful. It smells great, but there's some thorns in there. We've got we've to quit being so prideful, so puffed up. So, you know, a lot, lot of us don't witness because we're so, I'm a Christian, super Christian. Well, I got a 40-pound Bible, and I can speak. I can speak thouest in King James. I got news for you. It's time we get real with people. We can't be puffed up. I love this. Does not behave rudely. I'll let you preach that to yourself. Does not seek its own. Is your witnessing seeking its own? Are you only looking so you can mark off, oh, I did my witnessing for this week? Are you truly trying to find hope for somebody else? Is not provoked, thinks no evil. Does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. Is your witnessing focused more on the evil than it does on the victory? See, sometimes we rejoice in the sin. Sometimes we rejoice in the sin of our past. Sometimes we rejoice in the sin of the people we're talking to, and we forget to talk about the victory that we're offering. My dad got saved at 18 years old. You've heard me say it, third Sunday night of June, 1961, I believe it was. Actually, that would be, that'd be, this is third Sunday night in June. Third Sunday night in June, about 1961. Come to church because his mama told him to. He tried to stay out late enough in the afternoon that he didn't have to go. She waited on the front porch, so he'd come in to change his shirt to go back out, and she threatened him. You didn't know my grandmother, I did. I can just see her stammering her lips, pointing that little bony finger. Granny Sandifer said, jump, you jumped, whether you wanted to or not. She's a feisty little four-foot, 11 woman. And she says, you better be there. Dad went to church. God grabbed a hold of his life. My dad, before he got saved at 18 years old, was a rough dude. Him and his cousins basically had a gang. There were 
few stories I knew about. I knew he was a street racer. I knew that there had been a couple of gang fights that he had been a part of. I knew, I know some of you are thinking, really, Iris Andrew? He wasn't always 75, folks. I, I, I knew the story of, a, of another church, uh, another ordained bishop in the church of God that went to his high school. Neither one of them were saved in those days, and they got into a fight in the hallway, and he threw him up against the locker and threatened to kill him. And, and, uh, and later on, Dad was his district overseer. I always thought that was sort of funny. But, um, but all the years I grew up, I knew Dad got saved. I knew about the power of salvation in dad's life. Dad spent 50 years in pastoral ministry witnessing and telling people about the victory of God. And as recent as just a few years ago, we were just talking about something. And dad said something about drinking. Looked at Yeah, I didn't like beer. Didn't even think about you drinking beer. He goes, oh, I was at one party and they had another drink. That tasted good. What? Whoa, time out. Whoa, hang on. Let me tell you why that shocked me so much. Because in my 50 years of life, almost 50 years of life, watching my dad share the gospel all of my life, I never heard him glorify the sin. He glorified the victory. See, my dad taught me an example that wasn't about everything he had done before. It was about everything God had done in him. Witnessing does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the righteous, in the right. Let me tell you something. I'm not telling you you can't tell people what God brought you out of, but you better make sure. You better make sure you're not glorifying that. You know what happens when we glorify the sin? You get people like me. 13, 14 years old, sitting in the back seat of my mom and dad's car. Dad's the state youth director of Missouri, and I announce in the back seat, I've made a decision. What's that? I'm going to backslide. You want to get your mom and daddy's attention, announce that you've decided to backslide. I'm going to backslide. Just for a little while, I said, because I need to backslide so I will have a testimony. As a young man, I was convinced that the only way I could ever have a testimony was to do something evil. Oh, now I got a testimony. But my testimony, I had walked away from God. I played church. Y'all have heard my testimony. Can I tell you what changed my life? When I heard a youth speaker get up, he said, I've been delivered of alcohol, been delivered of drugs, been delivered of immoral lifestyle, because God never let me start. You want to know what my testimony has become? And even when my life wasn't where it needed to be, I was able to hang on to this somehow because of the grace of God. I'm 49 years old. I've never smoked a cigarette. The only alcohol I've ever had has been in an ice cream cone and NyQuil. That's it. Had an ice cream cone one time with cherries soaked in brandy. It was good ice cream, too. Anyway, um, I've never done drugs. I never cussed in public until I became a pastor. I got married at 23 years old. I got married at 23 years old as a virgin. Yeah. That's my testimony. 
I never had to worry about those things. Never was challenged with those things. Was never attacked by those things because God kept me. You see, we need to get to a place that we start talking about what God can do, not what we did. Love, witnessing, doesn't glorify sin. Bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. If you're going to witness to people, you better be willing to bear some stuff. Mm. Sister Ann, have you ever carried some weights because somebody else had them? Bears all things. Yeah, it get heavy. Bears all things. Believes all things. We got to be trusting. Hopes all things. Endures all things. When you start witnessing the people, some of them are going to reject you. Some of them are going to ridicule you. Some of them are going to make fun of you. You don't stop. You just take it. You just endure it. You have the hope that one of these days they're going to listen. And once they listen, mm. you ever heard that person give a testimony about how God changed their life? And then you get in a service and there's somebody there. or You get out in the street or you get somewhere and you meet somebody and they're just mean. And they're hateful to you and they're, they're wicked at you. Have you ever let your mind go to what if this is the one that gets saved and their testimony is somebody didn't give up on me? Somebody endured my junk. Somebody had hope for me when I didn't have any hope for myself. What happens when that person finds Christ? You get to celebrate with them. Love never fails. Witnessing never fails. Let me tell you something. He goes on. He says, but whether there are prophecies, they will fail. Wherever there are tongues, they will cease. Whether there is knowledge, it will vanish away. For we know in part and prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part will be done away. I got news for you. Witnessing is not just about today. Witnessing is about tomorrow. Witnessing, witnessing is not just about what you see now. It's about getting people to a place that when we get to what is real, it's what Paul is saying here. The things in this life are temporary. You have a good day. It doesn't always last to the next day. You have a bad day, and I got good news for you. It probably isn't going to last to the next day. But there's going to come a day where they're all either going to be good or bad, depending on the choices we made now. Everything in this life is temporary, but our witnessing is based on more than the temporary. Because our witness is about getting to where we know the truth. We know everything. We know what God is trying to do. He goes on. He says, when I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child, but when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now we know in part, but then I shall know just as I am known. Let me tell you something. Witnessing must be done in humility. Witnessing must be done in humility. 
It'll catch up to me here in a minute, I think. I hope. Too many times we get caught up in who we are. Paul says, when I was a child, I acted like a child. When I became a man, I put away childish things. Jesus said, if you want to enter the kingdom of God, enter it like a child. What are you saying, Pastor? What I'm saying is some of us need to become a little more childish. I'm going to tell you something. Kids will witness before adults will. Because they haven't been beat up on. They haven't been attacked. We get all, oh, oh, I'm guilty. Man, you get them to church, I'll preach the, I'll preach the fire of hell in church. You run into me at Walmart, and I'm like, well, okay, let's pray. Don't do anything crazy. I, I, I get shy. Y'all don't believe that, but I do. I get shy when I'm out of my realm. I get proud. I, 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 I can't be crazy. I'm the pastor. I, I don't want to be weird in public. I'm the pastor. Quit laughing. But I got news for you. When we share faith and humility, it quits being about who we are. It quits being about what we can see. Now we see in a glass dimly, but then we'll see completely. When you run into people in your life, you only see a part of who they are. You only see a piece of who they are. But one of these days, we'll see the totality of who they are. If we share our faith, if we witness, if we share love with them, then maybe we can share heaven with them. Now we can't see it. Oh, this happens in witnessing. It happens in discipleship. A little over a year ago, Kristen came to our revival, our Saturday revival that wonderful day when we had 14,000 services in one day. And I don't remember if it was Friday night or Saturday night. She wound up at our house, sitting on our back porch, crying her little eyes out. It hasn't changed. I didn't know Kristen well then. And through tears, she asked Beth and I if we would mentor her. I couldn't see anything in her yet. But we agreed to mentor her. Now, a year later, I still don't know everything in Kristen's life. But because I've been willing to sow, I begin to see harvest. I begin to see results when we begin to sow in things that we can't see quit being so proud to say i can't give to people i don't know witness to the people that you're around witness the people that you may never see again witness to everybody you can witness to don't do it with pride but do it with humility i've got to get the gospel out i hope my desire in my life is that when we get to heaven, I want there to be more people there than I know because of my witnessing. I want there to be people that come to me that I don't remember from this life, that I affected in this life. I, I, I've seen cases already 
I went to a camp meeting a couple years ago and had a young man come up to me and he was like, Pastor Tommy. And I'm like, I. <laughs> oh, you took me to breakfast one morning. It changed my life. And I'm like, what was your name again? <laughs> Don't remember. Don't remember. But I had an impact. Had an impact. Had a young man at Winterfest come up to me telling me I remembered him, but I was his youth pastor for five and a half months. Five and a half months. He came to me and told me he had just got his exhorters. He said, and when they were interviewing, they asked him about his call. He says, I want to be a youth leader. He said, when I was a teenager, I had a youth pastor for five months. And I want to do what he did for me to other kids. He said, Pastor Tommy, you're the one I want, my, I want to do what you've done. I'm like, I wasn't even there long enough to bat an eye. But I had an influence. We got to be humble enough to pour out. When we know we're pouring out, when we don't know we're pouring out, we got to constantly be giving. Witnessing must be done in humility. And then my last point. It is love that other it's love for others that gives birth to their faith and hope. This last verse, Paul writes, and now abide faith, hope, and love. These three, but the greatest of these is love. And the reason that the greatest is love is because our love is what gives hope to their faith and their hope. We've got to witness. We've got to tell somebody about the power of Jesus Christ. We've got to tell somebody. They may not have a tomorrow. They may not have a next week. We got to run to them when we can. Mom and dad were pastoring in Cleburne, Texas. Went to Texas State Camp Meeting. Took a group of people from the church, and in that group was a 15-year-old boy named Jimmy Brown. Some of you may have heard the story of Jimmy Brown. During that service that night, the Spirit of God fell. And my mother, who at that time would have probably been around 23 or 24 years old, felt directed by God to go to Jimmy. Strong young man. And she went and sat down beside Jimmy in that Texas camp meeting auditorium and said, Jimmy... You need to give your heart to the Lord. Tonight's the night. You need to let God into your life. Jimmy's response to my mom was, I know, Sister Sandifer. But we th week after next is youth camp. And I'll get saved at youth camp. I'll get saved next week. I, I, I don't want to go up there right now. I'll get saved at camp. Mom said, Jimmy, you need to come to the altar. Sister Sanford, I'll get saved at camp. The next Saturday. By the way, was the earliest memory of my life. I remember my mom and dad getting a phone call. And we got in a car. We ran at a high speed to the lake outside of town. And we sat in the West Texas summer heat as divers drug the bottom of that lake for Jimmy Brown's body. Strong swimmer got caught by an undertow. He had been a clown and a cut up. And they said when he come up and yelled help, everybody thought he was joking. And he didn't come back up again for five hours. Let me tell you something. 
if my mother had refused to go back and talk to him. I don't know that she could have bear the pain. Now we live with the hope knowing that Jimmy knew where he needed to be. We hope that he cried out to God in that time. But at least, at least she tried. She pushed. She, t- she says when she tells the story, she, it wasn't just you need to pray and he said no and she left. She said she pushed. She pushed. She pushed. Who's the Jimmy Brown in your life? That person you know, they need the truth of God. It may be a family member. It may be a co-worker. It may be a husband, a wife, a kid, a, a parent. You know they need God. Do you love them enough to push? Do you love them enough to endure? Do you love them enough to share? Pastor, what are we supposed to do with this message? You're supposed to take that name that just jumped into your head, and you're supposed to get a hold of them this week. He's been thinking about you. Can we get together? Can we get together and talk? Can, can I tell you what Christ is doing in my life? Can I invite you to come to church with me? Can I pray with you? Because if we don't, they're going to die without faith and without hope. We've got to push. We've got to dive in. We can't give up. It's just a handful of us here tonight. But if we'll get hungry, if we will start the people that we run into can find hope. And it'll start to multiply and multiply and multiply. Who are you going to witness to this week? Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for your mercy. I thank you for your grace. I thank you for your peace. Lord, I ask that you would send your victory.